Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue in Conversation. My name is Brian Salvatore, and I am thrilled to have Ron Swoboda on the show today. For those that don't know, and if you're listening to this show, I don't know how you wouldn't know, Ron Swoboda was a member of the 1969 Miracle Mets. He was the right fielder that made the incredible catch that more or less saved Game 4 and shifted momentum permanently in the Mets' direction. Ron has a new book out called Here's the Catch. It just came out on this past Tuesday. And so we're going to talk about that book, his career with the Mets, and, of course, because it's Amazing Avenue, some music talk as well. Enjoy. All right, joining me on the podcast today is Ron Swoboda. He is, of course, a miracle Met, a 69 Met, a World Series hero, and he's the author of Here's the Catch, a new book out now. Ron, thank you for making the time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Brian, thank you for reaching out. How are you doing? I am doing well, thank you. So, um, you know, I finished the book a couple of days ago, 
And I, my wife always asks me what I'm reading and sort of, you know, how would I think of it? And I yeah. said to her, I'm sort of shocked at the honesty of this book because I read a lot of books like this one. And oftentimes people tend to color their playing days and their relationships with those they played with or played for uh, in this rose-colored way, right, where everything was perfect and it was the ultimate experience and nothing was wrong. And your book deals with some of the nitty-gritty, some of the bad things that happened, some of the mistakes you made. And so I guess where I want to start is when you set out to write the book, was it important for you to tell a story that felt complete, that felt honest? And because of that, were you ever worried about people taking something the wrong way or people looking at you differently because of some of the things you talk about in the book? You know, um, I've, I've, I'm, I've been a guy that, you know, I'm, I'm going on 75 years old. Um, I, I consider it a blessing in my life that I am still in possession of, of, of a above average curiosity um, uh, wrapped around a uh, flat average intellect. And, and, and so I love the idea that learning new things and stuff that I d don't know and, 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 and that reach, that outreach is, is still alive in me and I get a great thrill from it. I'm a big reader. I love good writing. And, and in this book, I mean, I've lived a life and I've had a chance to think about it you know, it was unconventional in a lot of ways. But the one thing, you know, I was always confronted with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the big leagues at 20 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm really over my head. And, and amazing things happened um, uh, with Casey Stengel back in 1965. Uh, when my baseball career is over with, uh, I, I end up walking into the news business and I'm over my head. You know, I walk into WCBS in New York and and, and, you know, the only way I should have been coming in that building is with a mop and a bucket. And I'm, <laughs> I'm getting to be a sportscaster, and I have no clue. But you scuffle. You know, I, I, I've never given in to that. I, I mean, I feel like, you, you, you know, if you have an opportunity or you have a chance to do things, forget the fact that it was completely unplanned and just go with it and scuffle with it. And at the bottom line, be honest with yourself, you know, be honest with that voice inside you that tells you the truth, have a good relationship with that person. And things tend to move along, you know, tend to move along. And, and that, that I think is as close as I can come uh, to, to, to answering your question. Yeah. The one thing I really wanted, I was really struck by is your talking about your relationship with Gil Hodges because yeah. Gil is this beloved figure in baseball and you know his tragically short life only adds to that and I think whenever someone is is thought of that way every person that encounters them has to has to tell their story as if they were the closest friends that ever were you know and and I really appreciated the fact that you said you know no we didn't have the greatest relationship and Part of that was on me. You know, it was really very honest. And I guess, you know, looking back on this now, what would you have done differently with Gil Hodges if you, you know, if you were more mature when you were playing for him? <laughs> it's an easy answer. Shut up and play ball. <laughs> uh, but, you know, obviously, um, I've, I've always had this fractious relationship with authority, especially if I felt it leaning on me a little bit, pushing me in directions I wasn't ready to go. 
and 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 you know, I don't I don't claim that as some sort of uh, honorific. You know, I mean that that to me is a it's a flaw in some ways, especially around a guy like Hodges who had one of the most adroit baseball minds that I ever experienced. And I played for Gene Mock, who was supposed to be a genius. Uh, the thing about Hodges was, you know, he was an authoritarian. He was a Marine, and uh, he was such a decent guy. But the lines were drawn, and if you stepped over them, you, you ticked him off. And, and he just wanted you to be, a, you know, an adult and, and try to be the best baseball player you could be and help his team win. And, and and I could do some of those things some of the time, but not all of those things all of the time. And I I caused I think I caused him a lot of uh, annoyance and angst and and it's on me. Okay, my my immaturity and 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 failure to look at this thing in a in a more uh, grown up way uh, I think caused caused us problems. But the crazy thing is, when I wasn't playing, when I wasn't doing it early in 1969, I wasn't playing. And I understood that. I wasn't happy about it. But when I got it going uh, towards the end of the season, and it was me and Art Shamsky platooning in right field on a regular basis, um, if you were hot, you were in there. And, and that's the way it went. And you knew that. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that for all of us, you know, we tend to forget that most guys we're watching playing baseball are in their early to mid-20s. And I know I made a lot of stupid decisions when I was 24, 25 years old. But, no, you know, yeah, don't tell me that. Believe it or not, yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> it can be easy to whitewash um, to whitewash everything away to youth, but I, I really appreciate the responsibility that you took throughout the book. Well, well look, let's, you know... You don't want to use being human as an excuse because you're trying to be better. But if you're, but if you're competing, you know, in baseball, you're competing against perfection, and perfection is a stern sort of, you know, schoolmarm. Okay, <laughs> perfection's tough, and and so you're not going to get there. Um, maybe once in a while, in in a brief moment, you know, maybe maybe my catch, in, in if if you looked at it that way, was as close to perfection as you could be on that particular play. Not wisdom, <laughs> necessarily, but perfection. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's what, I, that's what I was trying to be. I, you know, I was a guy, an average player. Most of the people that play baseball are just guys. Average players trying to be the best they can be. Most of the time falling short, but, you know, you, you don't give in to that. You don't surrender to that. You don't give in to the fear of that. You just keep pushing. You keep pushing on and getting up if you've, you know, made a mistake. Try to make it better. And, and, and that philosophy has always worked for me. It's the advice I give my grandkids, you know. Hey, when you're trying to do hard things, it's not going to always work. But do one thing. Keep pushing. Don't quit. And always be honest with yourself. And, and I've, you know, I've, I've tried to do that. No, I, I think you do an admirable job of that. Um, so you mentioned the catch, and we couldn't have this conversation without talking about the catch. You know, it is, it is as, as you say in the book, Mickey Mantle called it the best catch he ever saw. 
And so that, that's enough of an honorific, I think, that you could probably hang on your wall and be happy for the rest of your life. But, you know, it's something we see on baseball broadcasts all the time. Any Met fan worth their salt has, has seen that catch a dozen, a hundred, a thousand times. So you, you go into great detail in the book talking about how, you know, maybe it wasn't the most well-advised play. Um, but, you know, for those of us that have seen it, take us through just how you were feeling when you when you saw the ball hit. You do such a great job of it in the book. But for our listeners who haven't read the book yet, tell us about, you know, sort of your mindset leading up to that catch. Yeah, I had had a lot of problems in the outfield when I first came up, and I tried to paint the picture in the book of how tough it was to learn how to play the outfield in Shea for some pretty clear reasons. Shea stood tall as a stadium, and we were always packed. You know, we didn't play to many empty stadiums, so there were fans uh, in the stands moving around, and the atmospherics changing, uh, you know, light and dark, and um, most fly balls, certainly all line drives, uh, never come out of the crowd. And so you gotta, you got to read this ball off the bat against, uh, against a really mercuric sort of background. And I made a ton of mistakes trying to figure that out as an outfielder playing, playing in the stadium. And, and uh, you know, I thought I had done that in the thousands of line drives and ground balls that I had taken from Eddie Yost off his fungo bat from about 150 feet away. I never took fly balls. Um, as a rule, um, uh, I'd catch them in batting practice and whatnot, but for the most part, I took line drives and ground balls in front of me, left and right over my head. I wanted to read those tough ones off the bat, the nuanced, uh, the difficult ones. That's what I really practiced and concentrated on, and I did it at speed, at game speed. So I'm in the outfield, you know, I let a ball get over my head in, in Memorial Stadium, the first play of the game. And all of the practice, all of the stuff I thought I had learned in, in the nervousness that I took out there with me, I don't do anything right on it. And I let a ball get over the fence that should have never happened. And that's on me. Um, I come in the ballpark and uh, I come into the uh, dugout after that and I'm yelping about, I should have caught it. I should have caught it. Ed Cranepool, you know, a great New Yorker, New Yorker said, shut the F up and catch the next one. And just <laughs> like that, like a slap in the face, you know, and I went, of course. And, you know, we did. We caught everything else after that. If you look through the videotape of that World Series, we make all of the plays. And, and I'm in right field at that point in time in game four where, you know, you're feeling pretty good. You're into this as a game now. And you know that's a crucial position. We're up a run. Up two games to one on the Orioles. Brooks Robinson's off runners at first and third and one out. And I'm ready, okay? I'm poised. And he hits this line drive that, that I break immediately for. I do a good jump. I'm in full flight forward, and I'm not changing any angles now. Um, it, it's not about thinking at this point because, you know, Joe Pignatano – one of our coaches once said to me, don't think, Swoboda, you'll only hurt the team. And, and you know, I wasn't. I was in this white space heading straight 
for where I thought I needed to go on a straight-ahead line to intersect this ball at the nearest point that I could. And 90% of the way there, and I'm in full flight, I think I'm not going to get there, but you can't stop. And I thought the last thing I needed to do, and you know, is lay out. And I lay out to my backhand, and that thing hits me a couple of inches from finding grass, right in the web of a glove that I know will hold it. I know when it it hits there, I've got it. And I'm sliding, skidding through the grass, and I pop up and fortunately point it in the right direction, and I throw this thing home. I don't get Frank Robinson. The game is tied, but the game is changed. It's now two outs with a runner on first base. Um, I catch the next fly ball. I caught all three outs in that inning, by the way. Uh, tied a record, uh, we used to joke. Um, and, 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 and we get through it with one run, which was, you know, which, which was for us a good thing. We don't score in the top, uh, in the bottom of the ninth. We do score in the bottom of the tenth. And we win this thing. And the World Series changes, obviously, because instead of the Orioles, you know, scoring two runs, going ahead and winning it in regulation and evening the series at two games apiece, J.C. Martin bunts the ball down trying to get the guy over to third base. They throw it up the right field line. It ricochets off of J.C. and we score the winning run walk-off. We're up three games to one. That's, that's a whole lot of difference for us. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the book, and this is going to come off sounding like a backhanded compliment, and I don't mean it that way, okay? Um, All right. I think sometimes we get this idea that ballplayers are not always the most cultured folks out there. And I was really impressed with your knowledge of music. I mean, you quote Prince in the book. You quote <laughs> classical piano in the book. And well, we, are, we are all big music fans here. So so what, what sort of music was doing it for you then? And what sort of music is doing it for you now? Um, we were, my wife and I, obviously into... Um, you know, you live in New York, you're going to be exposed to as much culture as you have time for. Um, I became a big art fan. Uh, neighbors uh, of mine had uh, impressionist art books, and I got into it. And I have uh, behind me here on a French baker's rack a ton of art books that I've collected over the years because 
I decided to learn something about it. Um, my wife and I were probably big rock and roll fans back then, Billy Joel fans. Um, you know, we lived in Oyster Bay, Long Island. You know, Billy Joel was our guy, um, and and uh, Neil Diamond and and um, um, the uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I, I met a bunch of guys in there, and you know, if you listen to Blood, Sweat, and Tears music, you're going to hear you know all kinds of blues and 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 straight ahead jazz riffs in that thing and and you know of course I come to New Orleans and New Orleans uh you know uh, is is uh you know rhythm and blues and jazz and everything else you can find but I was very lucky after my career when I went into broadcast uh, news there with WCBS, Dave Marish was uh, one of the anchor people in New York. He is still a great friend today. And he, he, he squired me around New York City, and we started listening to the best of, of, of contemporary jazz. And, and, you know, when you're listening to, you know, Joe Jones and, and uh, McCoy Tyner and, you know, um, a good friend of mine is um, Branford Marsalis, uh, who I ran into, you know, in in uh, in New York, uh, uh, and and uh, uh, who was a big Met fan and and aware. He's a New Orleans guy, and his dad is still a great piano player in the family. You know, Jason and uh, Delfeo are, you know, you put the four of them together, uh, the father and the three sons, and 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 it, it is as good as jazz gets period. Um, so I was exposed to all this stuff. And, and, you know, my kids were more Prince fans than I was, but their record albums uh, were around the house and, and occasionally made it on onto the record player, you know. And, and so you try to absorb all this stuff. And, and um, you know, you're lucky. And, and, and as you get older, you know, the dots start forming a little more of a picture, like the old, you know, uh, newspapers and, you know, the uh, dot matrix and things in, uh -huh. in, in newspaper, you know, it, it, it starts forming a picture a little clearer for you. And, and, and I, I hope I've paid attention because I'm a, I'm a curious person, you know, uh, operating out of a fairly average intellect. You've said that twice, and I haven't believed you either time. Just so you know, uh, it's it's you know what when you pump it in there, to me, intellect, uh, IQ, is the ability uh, to rapidly absorb new information and assimilate it into your being. Um, I'm not great at that. I need more time with it, and I think the time factor. I have a I have a granddaughter who is who is a you know I hate to use the word genius because it's been spoiled for me but um <laughs> I, I it's not so much being a genius but she has this incredible mind and can take in information and uh, I you know I, I, my grandkids are are really interesting people it, 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 genius is to me is a is is a false is a false front, you know. Um, um, the ability to absorb information and and employ it is it's a tougher task for me. But over the years, I'm going on 75, and I've pumped a lot of stuff in there. So if if it's if it's handy, if I can find it, you know, maybe it, you know, maybe it 
maybe it makes you sound smarter than you really are. Uh, but but I'm but I've but I've had a lot of interest, and I have a a wide range of interest in in what I read, and and what I spend time with, and and, and that's the story, really. Well. You know, if we're a few weeks away from the official celebration of the 1969 Mets up here in New York at City Field, and you'll be coming up for that, I hope. And uh, absolutely, what are the things you're looking forward to? Who are the guys you want to sit down and have a beer with? What's, you know, what what will be the most special part of that weekend for you? Yeah, I think the guys that we don't spend as much time with. You know, I I I just spent some time with Ed Cranepool and. Uh, and who is, uh, by the way, uh, recovering in- incredibly well with his new kidney. And it is a, it is a miracle, uh, I think, on a plane above all this 1969 business. This guy's getting a new lease on life, and he's doing great. That's wonderful was, to hear. And it was a miracle to find the perfect match, okay? And he did that. And, and, uh, and Shamsky... Uh, Art and I were the platoon in right field down the stretch, and, and Art and I always got along because, you know, uh, I know we were playing the same position, and he wanted to play all the time, and I wanted to play all the time, but we weren't right in the lineups. Hodges, Hodges had reasons for what he was doing, and it made perfect sense, you know, and so we, we always got along, and he's been one of the more organized guys in New York, and when there have been appearance things and all, uh, He's thrown my name in the bin, and, and so I've done a lot of things that uh, came out of uh, Art Chamsky's organization, and I appreciate that. We're, we're, we're good friends now, and we will always be good friends. So we see Eddie and, and, and Sham a fair amount. Um, uh, you don't see a lot of the other guys, Jerry Kuzman and um, uh, Gary Gentry's been a little – a, a little more of a problem uh, finding him. He's disappeared at various times. His life has been more difficult. And um, Jerry Grody, I don't see as much. And and um, you know, Rod Gasper will be there. And 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 uh, uh, I think Bobby File is coming in. Um, you know, uh, Wayne Garrett, um, great guy that I'll see. But Harrelson is struggling with his dementia issues. Um, but he's still there, man, and and, um, and 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 he, you know, he still has some grasp on on all of this, and you know that that whole idea. Tom Seaver can't be there because um, his his dementia is has made it impossible for him to travel, and I'm I'm we're all torn by that because if you don't have Tom Seaver, Jerry Kuzman in that particular order. Uh, we're not wearing uh, championship rings. Right. Yeah, I, I think all of us echo your sentiments about being heartbroken about Tom. You know, um... It's a terrible thing. It, it's, it, you know, look, I said to someone, um, those memories are treasure to me. They're golden. Um, and and I, I feel so fortunate that I, you know, that I have a, a I still have a great feel for them. I, I had so much fun going back looking up all the ebb and flow of uh, of 1969 online in the in the play-by-play sheets and and I remember I called Tom up you know to ask him there was in game 4 of the World Series right before I make the catch 
there's a meeting on the mound. Hodges comes out. Seaver has, uh, Seaver has, you know, he's in trouble. Um, Frank Robinson singled, Boog Powell singles behind him. It's first and third, one out. We're up a run, one nothing. And, and, and Gill comes out, and, and he's at the mound for a little bit of time with Tom Seaver. And I called Tom, and I said, Tom, what do you remember about that meeting um, in game four? And he pauses, and it's pregnant. And he said, I have no memory of it. I said, of the, of, of the meeting? He says, of the game, of any of it. All the air came out of me. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I realized at that point, you know, these things that I treasure show so much, this something, you know, that could come in there and steal them, and they're gone, is, is tragic on a level I have no words for. And, and, and that, you know, and that... And that's where I am on that, you know. Uh, it's just it's just awful that something could steal those memories. Absolutely. All right, my last question for you before I let you go about your day sure. is if there is someone out there who wants to play baseball, you know, kid, my son, you know, he's three, but he loves throwing around a baseball. What's the one piece of advice you'd give a young kid today who, you know, to play their best game? What would you say to them? Well, you know what? Um, one of the things that I was lucky that I had, I didn't think I brought any sort of innate athletic ability to the game. I thought what I brought to it was um, an ability I enjoyed practice. I used to hit rocks with a broomstick into a woods near my house. There was a gravel road, and I'd pick up the rocks, and I'd play these games imitating my favorite hitters on the Baltimore Orioles and, and others. And, and I threw, I threw a rubber ball up against the steps on the front of my house and played little baseball games with myself, um, ad infinitum, you know, I was out there for hours and got lost in that time. Um, the Zen of practice, um, being willing to give it that time and getting lost in the practice. I think for most guys, it's essential. Um, love practice and practice hard and, 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 uh, and, and, uh, and try to be the best you can every time you have a chance to, and you don't know where it's going to take you in the beginning. And it doesn't matter what you give it. Each moment is the best that you can give it and, and, and see where you go. And that's, that's been life for me. I never planned anything. It's just give it the best you can take the next best step and be honest with yourself. And it's the advice I give my grandkids, you know, be honest with that person inside there who will tell you the truth and, and, and have a good relationship there. And, 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 and I think that's what you do uh, with anything uh, whether it's uh, broadcasting or writing or playing baseball. Um, give it your best and and be honest with yourself. Well, I, I think that's great advice for all of us. So, so if anyone out there hasn't picked up the book yet, you got to get it. Here's the catch by Ron Swoboda. It's out now. 
Ron, aside from the 69 celebration, where can folks see you nowadays? Are you online? Are you? Uh, what... I do uh, wander onto Facebook and Instagram. I'm I'm uh, I'm trying to be a little busier because of uh, I think it's it's important to get out there and uh, um, uh, it you know as a 75 year old it's not a natural space for me. Uh, <laughs> I have to I kind of make myself do it. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook uh, and and, um, and and Instagram. I don't do as much Twitter, um, but uh, yeah, I'm out there and I'll be around. You know, this weekend coming up at the end of June, we're going to be in New York and doing a few things. And you know, you run into me on the street, you 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 recognize me, you say hello because I I just have been. Very, very fortunate over the years that I, I you know, I, I, I feel like, I feel like the the people, you know, that the, you know, I've, I've had great relationship with the fans over the years, and you know, we all shared the same thing, you know, we, the people who were in the stadium, you were down on the field, we we all shared the same excitement and went through that same process, and you know if you you know don't be shy about saying hello to me if you happen to see me on the street okay <laughs> i promise you i'll do that cool well folks that does it for another installment of amazing avenue in conversation thank you so much for joining us we truly truly appreciate it go to amazingavenue.com where you can read lots more about the mets as well as check out the rest of our podcasts and just generally interact with other Mets fans. It's a great community, and we hope you stop by. You can find the site on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Edzenap. And I want to say once again, thanks to Ron Suboda. Pick up his book, Here's the Catch, out right now. And until next time, let's go Mets.